The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prospect Podcast, Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. This podcast is now sponsored by AndOneAnalytics.com. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Comb Over that we're using as our intro song this season. James, one of, uh, we're going to be focusing on your latest Farm Futures piece, 20 pitcher predictions. But first, a couple quick things. First off, you wanted to make a change to a rapper grade. Am I right? Can we get that on record? Were you changing Slick Rick's swag grade? Uh, yeah. Did I? When did I say that? Was that like? <laughs> I think it was last week. I think you might have switched, changed it to an eighty. But 
Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I think you're right. I just wanted to get that on record because yeah, yeah, no, I was I was listening to I forget what I was listening to, but some slick Rick song and uh it was actually kind of a, a late a late evening slick rick session if you will and uh <laughs> Let's see where you're going. yeah i just i decided then and there that i needed to put that swag grade up at an 80 it wasn't a success. yeah you texted me late and i i appreciated it and i just wanted to get that on record before we moved on because uh, that is important but also james prospect robert stevenson making his debut today I didn't get to see as much of it as I would have liked. I'm going to go back on MLB TV and check out the full game later tonight. But he was actually mentioned in your latest Farm Futures piece. He predicting that he will transition to a bullpen role, a relief role, by the end of the season. But what did you see today? Anything encouraging? I know he gave yeah, a couple no, homers. He looked he looked really solid, uh, kind of relative to what I was expecting. Kind of makes me have second guesses about that prediction but I'll I'll stand by it. I you know he it was not it was kind of the without the good and without the bad. Like mm-hmm. he didn't, didn't miss that many bats. But he also didn't walk anyone after the first inning. Uh through mostly strikes, roughly two thirds of his pitches were strikes, was pounding the zone with his off speed and his fastball he wasn't really throwing his curveball that much which was part of the reason uh there weren't too many there weren't many strikeouts but you know i think they'll take they'll take a five inning start with no walk or with just one walk Mm -hmm. as kind of a nice baseline to sort of show that he's capable of that and i mean you got the win It, it was it's also hard to read too much into it because it was against the Phillies, and you know, Michael Franco is really the only guy in that lineup that that poses a major threat, and he had a couple pretty bad at bats against Stevenson. So, you know, you don't want to overreact and just go crazy on the Fab when he gets recalled. But you know, I think it was definitely enough that we'll we'll see him back up in the big leagues fairly soon. Yeah, and he, you know. The, the walks were encouraging. Only uh, did give up the two home runs, as I mentioned, though. And one of them was to who was the guy who was just a career minor leaguer? I forget who it was. Uh, I'm trying to f- dig that up, but that hit a homer out, yeah. off of him. Um, I wasn't even really paying attention to who the Phillies hitters were. Like <laughs> that team uh, is just terrible. Let's see. I got to bring up the box for right now, but it's. Uh, but it was the guy's first career homer and the first career homer. Cedric that, Hunter? Yeah, Cedric Hunter. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> just like a quad A guy. Really just a triple A guy. But on this team, made the roster and starting in left field. Uh, I mean, good for him, but yeah, it's not uh, not somebody I have eyes on. Ryan, well, Howard, you, Ryan Howard also hit the homer. And you assume that he's, you know, the scouting report should be for Stevenson to just pound the zone against the guy like, like hunter so mm-hmm. it's not you know that's true yeah. it's not a not a and big great surprise. american ballpark right it's not a big surprise when a <clears throat> kind of a no-name hitter squares up a, a fastball that's grooved yeah. you know that's definitely a good point i was pretty encouraged with brandon finnegan last night he also gave up some runs i think he was in the first gave up a two-run homer to michael franco but really really good to see the, the control and command was locating the fastball really well 
had some walk issues towards the end of spring training, had a four-walk uh, outing over just three innings. Really encouraging. What's the upside with a guy like Finnegan this year? I think he could be a, a big-time bargain just given the, the strikeout potential and the fact that you know he was kind of a yeah, forgotten case forgotten man in most drafts you know if, if you got him you got him for about a buck or towards the very end of the draft unless it was an nl only i know we got him in the reserve round of our main event uh draft and obviously we deployed him since he was going to be facing the phillies and that worked Hell out yeah. pretty well so just based on where you picked him there's a ton of profit potential here i think that there will definitely be some some rough outings sprinkled in you can't really expect everything to be easy with him he, he might even be a guy that in, in shallower leagues you sit down in certain matchups but I, I definitely think there's there's room to profit here if you deploy him on the right days yeah i'm with you now we've talked a lot and we're going to dive into this latest farm futures piece 20 hitter uh 20 pitcher predictions but real quick with fab second week of fab coming up you know, we've talked a lot about getting out of the ahead of the pack and getting those those early bids in on some prospects. Any prospects that you're already kind of looking at? Or do you think those guys were all pretty much drafted? I'm not really doing anything. Uh, there's one guy that I'm – there's a couple, like, established big leaguers I've got bids in on in our yeah, stake league. To reveal. Just because, you don't like, have to reveal that. You know, just your, your typical kind of filling in some holes bids where you just try to get, like, an active body in there. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, but I, no prospects. But yeah, no, not, I, yeah. nothing really, and Nothing's nothing changed. You know, nothing on the closer front, nothing on the prospect front, really. I mean, if you if you're making a ton of fab moves at this point in the season, I think you're probably overreacting. Mm-hmm. Unless it's just like a really shallow league, you should probably stick with what you got. Uh, wouldn't I mean there hasn't really been any performances that I'm really overreacting to so far in the season, no. good or bad. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Like one person commented on my Fab article that you know maybe didn't go quite as deep. He said only three of the guys I, I talked about were available in his league. But look, if, if you drafted well enough, you shouldn't be dropping your guys this early. You know what I mean? So see where he's coming from. And there's some there's some guys out there that can help, but uh, you know it all depends on well, who you're dropping to acquire them. And in like you know first Fab article of the year. There's not, you know, if you want someone for like a 20 team league like yeah. that, it's who, what has anyone done between, you know, spring training and now <laughs> exactly. to like emerge in that kind of depth area. So like, oh, a guy got a fifth, st- a fifth outfielder role. Okay. But I, like in most fantasy leagues, he's completely irrelevant. Right. But yeah. I, I see. I see where you're coming from there. Uh, one guy I will say is, is Sam Dyson. That's the, maybe the only performance that I'm kind of raising my eyebrows on is that Sean Tolleson <clears throat> outing yesterday. That was really bad. Five earned runs, no outs. Right. So the the Dyson thing, I mean, we'll do this really briefly because not, it's not really prospect related, but I, I think I'm hesitant to go hard on Dyson right now just because you don't know. It's not like – it's not like they've already made the switch, mm-hmm. and I do think it's, you know, at most like seventy percent chance that Dyson's the guy if there's a switch. Like I, I think yeah. that there is a I mean, little Diekman, bit of room for Deakman's really like, good. Deakman's about as nasty a lefty as you'll see in the bullpen, mm-hmm. and I think Kella just has the look and the, you know, attitude and the stuff of a future 
closer. So they might even do kind of bullpen by committee for a minute if, if they move Tolleson out of that role. So I, I think Dyson, you know, if you don't have any closer spec plays on your roster and you need saves, he's not a bad pickup, but I wouldn't go, wouldn't go crazy about it because mm-hmm. there is still, there's a chance Tolleson keeps the job and there's a chance that Dyson's not the guy. Yeah, I think those are wise words. Let's dive into these pitcher predictions. Starting with number one, you have Lucas Giolito being the most valuable pitching prospect in 2016. I think maybe a consensus would be Jose Barrios here just in the industry, just given the fact that there is that clear path for him and uh, was excellent down the stretch last year. A lot of people speculating that that he was going to get called up over the second half of last year. But what makes you think it's going to be Giolito? Well, I think the consensus would probably be technically like Matt, Steven Matz yeah, or maybe Kenta Maeda but uh thinking of guys that are still in the mind right yeah I think so my case for Giolito is that if he you know if he gets up in time to throw 120 innings I think that on just the quality of those innings there's a decent chance that he could be more valuable than Barrios and you know, Matt's is far from a lock to pitch 180 innings. Kenta Maeda is still kind of a wild card. So it, it, this is kind of hinging on the idea that Giolito's up for, for a good 120-inning run with the big league club, which I think is quite possible. I mean, they, they can't – they don't want to be a wild card team, especially in the NL. I mean, that wild card game in the NL is just a, a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. So you can't really – if if Tanner Roark's struggling – you can't really afford to to keep him in there for too long if Giolito is really looking sharp in May. AJ Cole, like I, I think that AJ Cole belongs in a big league rotation, but similarly, I mean, if you have a, a clear weak spot in that rotation and you have the best pitching prospect in the game uh, looking pretty sharp in the minors, then I think they make that switch sooner. Now, this prediction falls completely flat if Tanner Roark is pretty solid in the first couple months of the season that i think three runs in the first today i haven't seen what he's done since but i think they right foot they'd be happy to keep giolito down until july if they weren't kind of forced to make a move but uh, i think there's definitely a scenario and maybe even a likely scenario that he's up in time to really log enough innings to let that the quality of of his play carry him let's talk about another guy who could make an impact this year and is one of the top pitching prospects in the minor leagues right now. Giolito, you have as the top pitching prospect, but Julio Urias right behind him. You're predicting that he will make more starts for the Dodgers in the first half than in the second half, and I think this is interesting because it seems like they're kind of, I don't know the word for it exactly, but maybe like tearing and uh, breaking up those those bullets with some of their minor league arms to to space it out so they have some of these guys available at different times this season. Right, and this is kind of a, you know, I'm kind of going out of, on a bit of a hunch here. There's no uh, firm, you know, evidence that this is going to be the case. But, you know, if you assume that those those main seven veteran starters are, are kind of who they view as their top seven guys, and you also assume that they are only going to have four of those guys until like mid-May at the at the earliest, then I think it makes sense to bring up Urias soon and then, you know, kind of let him pitch either as long as he is holding it down pretty well or until they have a guy like 
Ryu or Brandon McCarthy ready to step in there mm-hmm. because there's a good chance that I mean it's look there's not maybe not a good chance but there is a chance that come August they're going to have all seven of those veterans plus you know a handful of prospects for only five spots mm-hmm. and at that point it doesn't really make any sense to burn Urias you know at that point yes. of the season giving the innings count he's going to be on so you're maybe your only chance to get uh, to justify getting your eyes into that rotation could be in the first half of the season, giving the the innings count that he's on. I know a lot of people seem to think that Jose De Leon is probably the Dodgers pitching prospect to stash this year just because of his age. But if you look at what the two guys have done at double A, they were there for roughly the same amount of time. Urias was much better, much more polished. Uh, his stuff was just more electric, and he got a, even a taste of AAA while De Leon hasn't, and De Leon's hurt right now, and he's mm-hmm. back in extended spring training. So I think there is – people are maybe underselling the chance that Urias is the first one up out of those two. And to me, if if they deem him ready, it makes sense to get those innings sooner than later. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm not a believer that Ross Stripling – I know the team likes him, but – uh, I, I think Urias is the guy that they should end up throwing out there. I mean, Performance should dictate him getting a chance yeah. over Stripling. The so. team likes him. I mean, he's like on the roster and he's like in the <laughs> organization. But let's be honest, like back in January, where was he on the starting pitching depth chart? You know, like yeah. 12th, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. So it's not like they're in love with him. I mean, if they were in love with him, they wouldn't have brought in all these other guys. So I, I definitely think there might be an opening there soon. Number three on the pitcher predictions, and check out the full article, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. No credit card required, no strings attached. Alex Reyes will be the Cardinals' top setup man in September in the postseason. He will average more than a strikeout per inning. This is interesting. Currently suspended 50 games uh, for smoking marijuana, testing positive for marijuana. Got to get himself on that 40, so, man. Up, uh, quick, quick update here, and shout out to see someone in the comments i want to say okay big red machine in the comments uh you know corrected me on this reyes actually got credited for 11 games of that 50 games served for his afl time which oh really which i had to look up and i didn't really that didn't really make sense to me like i don't know why you would get that credit i mean that's that just seems like something that if I was a team, I would try to take advantage of whenever a guy had like a suspension. <laughs> just send him to the fall I'd just be like, all right, just use that up in the fall league. But <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so he's only got 39 games remaining. And then also surprisingly uh, news to me since, since this was released, he's on the triple a roster. So eight starts last year at double a, that was enough for him to get the move up to triple a. Wow. So I might kind of even amend this prediction just because he's going to be eligible to come back in mid-May and he's going to be starting at AAA, you know. You say he, he does find his way in the rotation. Say only say only needs 8 or 10 starts at AAA, he could be up in in July. Mm-hmm. So uh this was kind of under the assumption I I thought they'd send him back to AA. Um you know I thought I, I think maybe the Marco Gonzalez thing maybe is a factor in starting him at AAA as well because uh, I don't know what the latest is on Gonzalez, but it does sound like there's there's a chance he might be in in trouble with his elbow. So 
that would kind of leave Tim Cooney and Tyler Lyons as, as really the only guys that they could they could have step in if there was an injury. So starting mm-hmm. Reyes at AAA definitely makes sense. But uh, now he kind of becomes a guy. I don't. I still don't think he's worth stashing because you can completely rule out mm-hmm. uh, April, May, and probably June in terms of when you'll see him. But uh, definitely a guy that as soon as that suspension's lifted, I think you got to keep an eye on. Yeah, another guy. He's a guy that you've been high on for a long time, no pun intended. But it's <laughs> somebody that I really—I mean, the strikeout ability through the roof too. So, yeah. I mean, you have him as a top eight type prospect, definitely top ten, right? Yeah, somewhere in the top ten. So somebody that you know, yeah, maybe not stash now, but maybe two months from now, you start looking at as a guy that you maybe you can stash in deeper formats. Number four, Jose Barrios will make his big league debut on April 25th in a home start against the Indians. What led you to this date? So a lot of just uh, speculation and calendar surfing. Like I, mm-hmm. I think Nalaska is the guy that he'll replace. I just think Ricky Nalaska is not not good, and. Nope. So I, but I also think the twins, being the twins, are gonna give Nolasco probably three starts worth of leash, and if he's as bad in those three starts as I expect, uh, April twenty fifth would be his his fourth turn in the rotation, and I I think that that's that's a home game on a Monday against the Indians, that just seems like a perfect setting for a guy like Barrios to debut because you, you get the support of the home crowd you get you maybe double the tickets sold for that game because yeah. you know how many people are just going to go to a random Monday Twins game you know maybe maybe it'd be half half full stadium True. uh you maybe get a sellout if that's if you announce it in enough in enough time and you get the Indians who are an awfully solid team but not a not an intimidating lineup whatsoever so I, I just think that that would be kind of the the perfect spot to kind of slot Barrios into that rotation that's very interesting and so with that I mean I, I imagine he's being stashed in pretty much all 15 team mixers but if he's out there and say uh well if he's out there in a 15 teamer you re- probably recommend scooping him up now yeah right? yeah I'm actually stashing him in a in a 10 team head-to-head right now wow and that that might have more to do with the head-to-head nature of the league than the the size of it, just because I I just always go for upside in that league yeah. because you can the, the fill-in quality on the waiver wire is so so high. But yeah, I mean, I, I think really he sh- he should probably be stashed in almost all formats because there's going to be somebody that likes him. I would assume in in most leagues enough to to stash him over. I mean, like, who would you rather own? in like from now until like the next to the rest of the year like him or Nadia Baldi or him or like yeah probably probably Berrios I mean Evaldi I I do still still have some high hopes from this year it got roughed up in the first inning today but uh yeah it's if we're talking upside the the check mark is in Berrios's favor without a doubt guys a couple quick items daily fantasy sucks when you lose when playing against sharks on popular DFS sites, it can be really hard to make money. At And One Analytics, they give you the lineups that win. Their custom-made algorithm turns the odds back in your favor. If you had entered $10 in 50-50 leagues on the top two DFS sites every day since November, your bankroll would now be sitting at $616. 
using and one analytics lineups. That's right, $10 turned into $616. And one analytics tracks the results of their lineups every day, so you know exactly what you're getting when you sign up. Use promo code ROTOWIRE when you sign up to get $10 off your first purchase at andoneanalytics.com. Use that $10 that you saved to start finally growing your bankroll this MLB season. Stop losing in DFS and use And One Analytics so you can play with a purpose. That's And Number One Analytics.com. And do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website, Wix.com. Number five on the list, Jorge Lopez will be the Brewers' best starter in the second half of the season. Uh, you admit here that the, the bar is not very high and to clear here, but and there, there's really not a lot to like in this rotation. But Jimmy Nelson, Taylor Youngman, uh, opening day starter Willie Peralta. Um, what is it about Lopez? I mean, do you expect him to be up at all in the first half, or do you just think – He'll hit that second half running when when he does get an opportunity. I think he'll be up in the first half. I just I'm not sure when, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, there'll probably be some uh, some some bumps maybe initially. I thought he looked really good in that one start he made last year. Uh, the results might not have been all that great, but I, I just thought on the mound he he definitely looked like a big leaguer. He's got a really nice fastball, uh, good curveball, changeup. Still, kind of a bit of a work in progress, but if he can take a take a step forward there, I, I think that he could be in for a, a big second half with the Brewers. And that's you, you're going to see a lot of turnover. I think in that rotation throughout the season. I think you're going to see guys. You know, Zach Davies will probably be back up at some point. Josh Hader will be up in the second half at some point. And I think I think Lopez will probably be the guy that sort of emerges from that, that wave of new young pitchers for the Brewers that, that really kind of looks like a fantasy, uh, legit fantasy pitcher. I got to share it. Josh Hader and Steph Keeper League won after seeing him in the Fall League. Do you like him more than Lopez long term, or is it pretty close? I like Lopez more, but I think Hader's got a higher ceiling. I just mm-hmm. think uh, I mean, the stuff looked filthy when we saw. Yeah, like haters either going to be like a top five or six closer, or like a potentially like number two starter. Like it's just yeah, you don't really know if he's going to be a reliever or starter. I think he can be a starter, but there are enough uh, you know voices in the industry that think he will end up in the bullpen that I, I'd give the nod to to Lopez if I had to pick one or the other. Number six, Braden Shipley's K rate bounces back to something in the 22 to 27% range with a move to AAA after it dipped to 17.8% last year at AA. He's the top prospect in that system, correct? Yeah, now that they moved uh, Dansby mm-hmm. Swanson, yeah. So with K rate rebounds at AAA, uh, I mean, that we've seen already in the early going. Of course, these guys aren't going to lose their jobs, but Granke, uh, Shelby Miller, and Pat Corbin all getting knocked around pretty good in the early going. If the K rate does rebound like that, how how quickly does does Shipley get a, a chance at the major league level? Well, it'll be kind of all about opportunity. I think the uh, 
at least the obvious guy for me who could be on a short leash if he really struggles out the gate is Ruby De La Rosa, mm. who I'm stacking against tonight. <laughs> nice. Pretty pretty easy call there. But, uh, you know, Robbie Ray, obviously, if he takes a big step back, then they'll be looking to upgrade that spot too. I, I think Shipley probably spends the first half in the minors. You know, hasn't pitched above double A. And you know he's he's old uh for for a top prospect who's at that level but 24. he's he's not old in pitcher years like he's you know converted shortstop uh you know had some had some mechanical things to figure out in the first half last year is still kind of figuring out sequencing but in the second half last year he really kind of took some steps forward and I think he'll, he'll just be really strong throughout, throughout this, this season until he does get the call. Yeah. Pitch sequencing is very important. Do you happen to know just randomly while I'm thinking about it? Do you happen to know, does, does Brooks baseball or any site really have minor leagues swinging strike rates for pitchers? Because I, I think that's something I need to see because, uh, you know, the, that number can really pretend to, uh, K rate in future years as a predictive number, uh, so I would like to find a spot where I can, can see um, those numbers. Brooks has it for some guys. Uh, yeah, it does have a page for Shipley. I don't want to dig into that on yeah. on the podcast, but yeah, I mean you can you can find some stuff on there. Nice. Yeah, I, I just think swing strike rate is so important, but not the the end all be all uh, for for K rate. Number seven, Anderson Espinosa will finish the year as a top three pitching prospect in dynasty leagues, starting the year at low A, only 18 years old, but uh, is, his, is his ceiling among the highest in the minor leagues in terms of arms? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. It's probably you know one of the five or six guys in the minors that could be a legit ace. And when you look at all the guys that are kind of projected to graduate, you know, and say say Alex Reyes graduates too which I didn't think was going to happen when I wrote this piece but it, it's definitely possible then you're kind of looking further down the the rankings and this isn't even really that bold of a prediction at that point because mm-hmm. I have him ranked as I think like a top 15 or so pitching prospect and if 10 of those guys graduate then uh you know his his upside plus I, I think it does matter that he is a Red Sox prospect and does get the Pedro comps just because of his size. Like that type of stuff can end up pumping up a guy's perceived value in dynasty leagues. So I definitely think he's going to be a, a really, really hot commodity this time next year. That's interesting. Yeah. Definitely a guy that I, I didn't end up with in any, any leagues this year, but somebody that I might, uh, if I fall out of the running and I'm a seller in any leagues, Definitely be targeting. Number eight, Cody Reed will be next year's Rysel Iglesias as a dominant run in the second half will set him up for 2017 ADP inside the top 150. Side note, I'm ordering, I decided last night, ordering a number 26 Rysel white authentic jersey. Nice. After seeing him on opening day, just just a stud. But <laughs> any any jerseys on your list right now? Uh... I feel like you'd you'd rock a Machado jersey pretty well. I'd, I'd love a Machado jersey. Just I'd, a gray and orange I'd, Machado. I'd really like a Machado jersey. Now that you say that, uh, <laughs> I've just been drooling over jerseys. I'd like lately. a I'd like a Cinder jersey. Yeah. I'd like 
yeah, I mean, Machado actually that that might be the one. I'm I'm a big I'm fresh. a big Machado yeah, fan. I, I, Machado. I do I also kind of want an A-Rod jersey. <laughs> oh, uh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be so baller. If you walked into the office <laughs> an A-Rod jersey. Uh definitely be put in the Hall of Fame there, but well, what is it uh, you think Reed just going to have a, an absolutely dominant run in the second half this uh, of this season? Uh, I'm hoping you're right because he looked good in spring training, and with the in, I mean they have Homer Bailey, John Lamb working their ways back, but I think like with the Brewers, there's going to be a lot of turnover in this rotation throughout the year. Uh, what is it about Reed's arsenal, his repertoire, that you really think uh, will allow him to be successful at the major league level? Well, he he really turned the corner last year uh, after that trade. The, the K rate uh, really spiked. You know, that, that slider kind of became a, a legit wipeout pitch to go with the, the hard fastball. I mean, for, for a lefty, you know, throwing in the, the mid-90s and then having two average or better secondary pitches, that's, that's just, I mean, that's kind of all you really need to be a mid-rotation guy as a, as a lefty. And... Uh, I think people are going to kind of look it, it. He might not put it all together until a lot of teams are kind of like out of it. And that, that was kind of the rice effect last year is a lot of people didn't really notice it as it was happening. I mean, yeah. like you and I did, but because those early struggles out of the bullpen skewed those numbers. Right. And you know, you, people didn't really kind of put it all together with rice until they looked at his end of season numbers, his second half splits, and we're just kind of like, oh, whoa, this guy was really mowing guys down towards the end of the year. I think Reed is definitely capable of that. Uh, you know, I just just love the the size and the handedness. It's just it really just kind of screams, you know, maybe number two starter. And you know, you pair that with the other arms the Reds have. I mean, that that's really pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this team on a game by game basis, mainly because of the starting pitching, but also some intriguing young bats that. Just given an opportunity this year to see if they can, you know, succeed or fail one way or the other. It'll be interesting. Number nine, Taylor Guerrero, Mr. Shear. <laughs> Mr. Shear himself will enter 2017 as a top 10 pitching prospect for Dynasty Leagues. And speculation will abound as to when he will debut in the Rays rotation. Uh, kind of like Blake Snell this year, but is uh, what, what's Guerrero's upside long-term in, in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues? Is he somebody that absolutely must be owned right now in all those formats i think i have him ranked as like a top 65 ish keeper mm-hmm. so i guess that kind of answers that question you know mostly yeah if you, if you own that many prospects he should be owned i think you know last year was really his first uh full season since 2013 because of you know the tj every single time he's pitched as a professional he's been nearly unhittable you know mm-hmm. era below 215 at every single stop uh and the control too controls really legit you know he's got got the starters frame 63 buck 95 uh mid 90s fastball solid curveball uh good changeup I, I just think it's kind of all there for him another guy kind of like shipley where you look at the age he's 23 but 
if you just kind of look at the amount of innings he's logged since getting drafted, he's he's younger than that. And it, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how many innings they let him throw this year. I'd like to see him get up to, you know, maybe 130, 140, so that next year we could maybe dream of like a 180 season and maybe maybe a good chunk of that comes in the big leagues. I I think that there's kind of the way that uh the Cardinals have handled Reyes where they aren't they aren't really taking taking their time in terms of making him stick at one level for for a really long time if he's dominating and yeah, he could be we could be looking at him in the second half of this season and just kind of wishing that he had more innings left because he mm-hmm. could be looking like a guy that could help the big league team this year. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Somebody that you know because of the missed time falling falling off some radar is not not a lot, but beforehand just because of that sheer potential, <laughs> was a lot of prospect list. <laughs> Number ten, Sean Manaya will be the A's second best starter for a six week stretch this summer, but he will be shut down sometime in August either due to an innings cap or an injury. Looking at this A's rotation so far, I mean they haven't been bad. Uh, in the early going, but Jesse Hahn was sent down. And, I mean, Kendall Graveman, I mean, he was getting some strikeouts early today, but not somebody that I believe in as, as a long-term fixture here. Manaya is he currently nursing an injury? Yeah, he's got a groin yeah, issue right now. which is, you know, that, that just kind of adds to the, oh, this guy's always hurt kind of theme. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, a groin, not the same as uh, – an elbow or anything although he has had like his injuries have seemed to kind of occur sort of in his in his uh kind of belly area you know like it's not it's not necessarily all arm stuff with him kind of middle of the middle of the body uh so yeah i I think you look at the innings i don't know if I, i don't think it would be wise to have him throw more than 120 130 this season and I also think that you got to assume if he gets to that to that many that an injury might be kind of right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So not not very outlandish to say that he'll be their second best starter just given what they have. But I think he'll be useful for a stretch. But I don't think he'll be a guy you'll be able to ride to any titles. Yeah, I agree with you. Probably, you know, we've talked about stashes. You know, even if there looks like you know he's maybe on the verge, not somebody that I expect. You know, then I'm not going to stash for more than a couple of weeks just because I'm not expecting a ton of, of innings out of him at the major. He, he's a guy that if I if I had and he put together four really good starts, I'd try to trade him. Good mid-season. call. Yeah, good call. Number eleven, Jake Thompson will post an ERA north of four and a half in a run of starts to close the year at the big league level. Now, is this an? I'm not taking this as an indictment on him long term. But is this more to do with, you know, just maybe some early lumps in the road with a guy like this? I'm just not really sold on him as a difference maker in fantasy. And I I think that there's still some debate as to whether he would fit best as a starter, as a reliever. I think that you just take take that fastball and that slider and put it in the bullpen and you have just a a relief ace. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that there might come a time where that's a tempting alternative to having a guy that's sort of up and down in the rotation from start to start. Just just kind of not not a guy that I think is worth a stash this year and not a guy that I would go crazy for on the waiver wire and fab if he does get a call. 
just while we're on the topic of the Phillies, and we talked about Brandon Finnegan earlier, Aaron Nola yesterday looked outstanding. Yeah, I, lo- I love Nola. Yeah, he I looked mean, super good. He's just really, really polished, and I think the stuff, the stuff is better than a lot of people kind of made it out to be when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of painted as that, uh, oh, he'll be fast in the big leagues, but the upside's not really all that special. But, you know, he, he's definitely got the look of a guy that – you know, might not be a number one, but a guy that you definitely don't mind giving the ball to in, in a game two. Yeah, I was pretty pretty thrilled to get him in the only league. But what kind of innings? Are we talking like 150 innings? I forget exactly Granola. how many he threw last year. Uh, um, I want to say more than that, but he's see, he's, Steamer has him for 181. Okay, yeah. so he's yeah, not he a yeah he's not like a prep arm that they have to really baby. I mean, yeah, he, he's true. a guy that can handle something. So he only had about oh okay, so he had. He had quite a few. He had almost 100. And, he had more than 170. He had almost. Uh, he had almost 180. Yeah. Between last three year. levels. So yeah. yeah, I mean, he could get to. He could get to 200. Didn't this realize year. he had quite that many uh, frames in the minors. But yeah, that's that's good. That's somebody that uh, I'll have to worry about getting shut down late. Then number 12, Sean Newcomb will either finish here as a top five pitching prospect or outside the top 100 on next year's top 200 prospect list for dynasty leagues wide spectrum there uh the second part of that prediction what what has to go wrong for him to be i mean is it just an injury or is there something else that could lead to him being outside the top 100 i just think that it's gonna be clear to me at least or there's a scenario at least where it's very clear to me that this is a reliever and it could be kind of cloudy. I, I suppose there is some middle ground there where he's, he's not a top five pitching prospect, but he's still in, in the top 100. But uh hasn't had enough professional innings to really like nail that, that walk rate against him and say that this guy just can't make it as a starter. But if he doesn't take steps forward in that department this year, then to me that's enough of a sample size to kind of – view him as someone that should be a reliever I, I think that there's also a scenario where if he does make those strides and can cut down the walks that the you know you look at the body look at the arsenal that's that's a frontline arm if he can if he can get that control under wraps so mm-hmm. I think that there's just a really wide range of of outcomes with Newcomb and he's not as safe or as surefire a high-end pitching arm as some people make him out to be yeah, you look on MLB Pipeline, and all due respect to them, certainly, but uh, and there's different criteria when grading. They're ranking their prospects versus ranking for our site. They have them at twentieth. I just think it's it's wise to point out that you know while he is does have some upside, upside there's also downside in fantasy, and, and you have to to just uh, have that sobering reminder in there that there is. Mm-hmm. a chance that he ends up in the bullpen because you see him top 20 on on that those rankings and you, you know pitching probably... prospects just are so like yeah i can't i just can't be get behind a ranking like that because you know i could name 20 hitters easily that i would take over him mm-hmm. and if you compare him to like if there's any hitter that you think is going to be a solid everyday player in the big leagues. Like I think you have to take that player over Sean Newcomb because of the risk involved. Like obviously you throw in the normal pitching risk, then throw in the fact that he's not even a a lock to stick in a rotation. 
it's just mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of risk there and I, that's personally like I get why I on one hand I kind of get why the Braves went about their rebuild the way they did where they just were going after all the arms they could get their hands on uh, I think a part of that is because it's a lot cheaper to go grab 10 pitching prospects than to go grab five or six hitting prospects that you peg as everyday players it's probably just easier to get the pitching guys in, in trades especially when some of them are flawed like the ones they uh, acquired but you know the the ones they got I think there's a legit chance that two-thirds or more don't even make it as starters so mm-hmm. it, that's there's a lot of risk and reward going that route as opposed to kind of the the Cubs are out where it was just all position players all the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, stockpiling arms for a rebuilding club makes some sense. But, yeah, those, I think the upside with a lot of those arms they acquired isn't as high as you maybe would like when you're dealing the caliber of major league players mm-hmm. that they dealt. Talked about Stevenson. He was the number 13 prediction. Anybody, because we're running a little long here at mm-hmm. 40 minutes already, Anybody uh, from 14 to 20 that you want to mention or, or shout out specifically? Yeah, I'll throw... All right, Franklin Killame is the the, pit, the Phillies' uh, number two pitching prospect for me going into the year behind uh, Jake Thompson, but a guy who I think will finish the year as their number one overall prospect and a top five pitching prospect in the game this assumes that jp crawford and nick williams both graduate but i think Killamay's, you know if you just look at him he's got that that ace look with the the body you know high 90s fastball plus slider already he's just the the numbers the minor league numbers don't really back it up but the the stuff is definitely there for for a frontline arm so he's a guy that i think should be owned and all leagues that roster 100 prospects. And then Max Fried, who has returned from, uh, you know, he, he was sidelined for 18 months with Tommy John surgery, and that's that's the ideal kind of time frame you want a guy to, to be out for. That's like Matt Harvey-level mm-hmm. uh, timeline. And, and he came came out in, in the spring and, you know, was, was really kind of dealing in an intra-squad game was displaying a plus-plus curveball and was just missing bats like crazy. I think this is a guy that a lot of people maybe have forgotten about. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite arms of the guys that the Braves did acquire, and I think he's someone that now would be the time to kind of buy low on if you can still buy low on because I think he's going to have a big year and, and really put himself back on the map. Well, thanks, James. We appreciate the insight. Great stuff, as always. But that'll do it for the prospect portion of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, now sponsored by And One Analytics. We are going to grade our latest hip-hop artist, grade out his tools on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, the five tools we've established for evaluating hip-hop artists, lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag, and then we, we give an overall grade. Last week, Scarface, week before Master P, week before that, Too Short, Slick Rick, Lil Wayne, Ferramont, some of the names we've graded. This week we're going with Shine, a guy who maybe doesn't have any standout tools, but an interesting grade. We we uh, 
I don't want to give it away, but one of these grades is probably our biggest disagreement in the history of the podcast. So a yeah. uh, little, little teaser for you there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, look, uh, we'll get to it when we get to that grade. But uh, <laughs> we got a we started with lyricism. I got a 50 here. You got a 45. So we're we're close here. Nothing outstanding, but a pretty consistent rhyme scheme and just uh, I'm thinking of the song Bonnie and Shine, one of my all-time favorite Shine songs. He, I mean, he had a couple of couple of really good albums, but just um, you know, I think the flow slightly overshadowed the lyrics, but the lyrics were still still uh, average to, to plus. Right, I'd I think uh, just just totally average. I think, I think so. you're not you're not. No lyrics that just make you cringe, and no yeah. lyrics where you're just like, "Whoa, I got to rewind, above gotta rewind that back." No, I'm with you there. So we'll, we'll jump to flow. I got a 55. You got a 65. I think the big knock here, and when it comes to action, Bronson, the the, the flow stealing, you know, just carbon copy steal, uh, carbon copy of of Ghostface Killer. And some could sh- say here and really knock Shine for being. You know, having a flow so much like Biggie, sounding like Biggie uh, on the beat. And I, I see that. You know, sometimes I hear him, I'm like, wow, he sounds exactly like Biggie. And that was what the, the, the big thing when he first broke in. Uh, but I still like the flow. I got a 55 here. I Definitely plus. Honestly, I mean, is it crazy that I've never heard that? Really? I'd, I'm I've, surprised. I've never. And part of it's probably just because I, when I hear him, I don't think of Biggie at all, to be honest. Like, I. I, I think it was maybe the bad boy connection too, but yeah. I know when he first broke in, uh, there was a lot of talk about that. And he does, you know, who won the best with us? Us is the us is the us. Well, I mean, he's he, got he was, like a he's got kind of like a I don't even know if it's if lisp is the right word, but like that kind of character in his voice that separates him a little from Biggie. And I also think that Biggie just. Uh, I thought I I think Biggie's just a bit faster on the mic than Shine. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I yeah, I've never never heard that. It's That's interesting. interesting. But it uh, is interesting. I just I think I I just love his voice. Yeah, I love his voice, and you can tell if you really listen the difference. But I think maybe mm-hmm. the more casual people they they sound yeah. alike. I think his his voice is kind of what pumps up the flow in my mind. Uh, it's not even. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the delivery and the and the voice that that really kind of does it for me. For me, just really, really unique and really pretty cool. Longevity. We both got poor marks here. I like. I, like I I don't know if I've given out a twenty yet. I, I should. Give you know out what? A I got to bump up because I mentioned he did have two albums that I liked. One was from prison though, and that was the big <laughs> thing is that you know, he got locked up, really taking the fall for Diddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah. Really being the fall guy there. So I give him some credit there, but that really killed his window. That really slammed his window shut because once he was out too, uh everybody had forgotten about Shine. Hashtag fall guy. <laughs> exactly. Uh I'll give him some credit there. Maybe maybe yeah. I deserve to pump him up a little bit more just because he did take that fall. Impact twenty five, you got a thirty five again. It has to do with that that stint and you know, hard to make a big impact. Uh, especially too, because I think on Bad Boy, after he was forgotten, nobody really went back. Nobody today is going back and listening to Shine. No, I. I mean, there are some songs that will pop up in my Pandora every now and then that I 
that I jam to, but I definitely don't usually go out of my way to to dig his stuff. I think that there's uh you know sort of that that Jamaican kind of hook on on bad boys that's that's been bitten yeah, Barrington is it Levy Levi yeah. Barrington Levi he's he's great that's been bitten quite a bit you know mm-hmm. that that general style for like a hook so i think that that, that kind of carries on or lives on a little bit in that sense uh Pusha T's got a really great line about uh how he's kind of Kanye's to he's he is to Kanye what Shine was to Diddy back in the day and hmm. I that one's one of my favorites a l- little shout out to to Shine from from Pusha T of late but yeah I mean he's not you know I think if we asked any I always kind of the the impact or longevity I think is always interesting like how many people if we just opened the door and asked in the office like who, who, know who knows who Shine is like Maybe we'd get like one. I think like, Jake would just because I played behind Shine <laughs> constantly. Like just, Mario would usually probably know who we're talking about just because he's just a encyclopedia of of music in general. But uh, I don't think any of the interns would have any clue. Like they wouldn't even necessarily know we were talking about a musical act. <laughs> yeah. be like who, who knows who Shine? I think is. I was it's talking like, about what? wrestling. Yeah. No, I. Listen, this is the grade. We're going to get to it. That's the big discrepancy here. The swag grade. We're going to need you guys to tweet at us and yeah. and take sides here. Yeah, let us know. At Clay W. Link, at RealJR Anderson. Got to know. Now, listen. All right. Just throwing it out there. I got a 30 on the swag grade. You got an 80, which I think may be the first that 80, is, I think that aside is the from first. Slick Rick, the change grade. Yeah, change Slick Rick's to an 80. Uh, the first, one maybe of the I'm first just 80s feeling, you've Maybe I'm just feeling up. generous of late. I don't know. Maybe. But, uh, but let me let me just say this because I tweeted out a while I think it was a couple of years ago, but uh, he wore like Cubs, Pirates, Reds, Knicks, and Blazers gear all in the same video, and somehow pulled that off, which is <laughs> a mark in his favor. But um, well, that was back. Was that back in like the late nineties yeah. when like every single rapper was just going Sorry. from Jersey yeah. to Jersey yeah. to Jersey and like Snoop every was video doing that yeah. a ton. And look, he did pull it off, and he's got some swag going in that video. But I think overall, just not not a standout tool for me. I'm not really basing it on anything in any videos or, uh, you know, I, I think just his kind of swag on the track. And, like, this to me, this is, like, different than flow and lyrics, but just that kind of, like, like, nobody can – nobody can mess with me type of just mm-hmm. you know confidence that he carries like on, on the track and like just sort of that like you wouldn't even know what he like looks like but you just kind of hear him rapping and you're just like i don't want to ever get on on that dude's bad side like mm-hmm. uh you know taking the doing the bid for for diddy uh he he was he wore the glasses and like actually made the the glasses look look really badass for a rapper which i think is nearly impossible to do. to do i mean Hard e40 has just struck out big time oh, on I that look with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how dare you <laughs> other other uh other rappers have, have really really kind of crashed and burned trying to go with the glasses look and i think shine just just owns it I just really I don't know I mean I think that there's 
everything I look for in, in the swag grade, especially for you know, a character like Shine, I think he just passes in flying colors. That's interesting. You know, I I may have to reevaluate, but look, if I could just give like Shine a, like, a pre stint, pre prison grade, it'd be plus plus probably. Let me throw there this were, you know. Let me throw this at you. Like, let's say like and and I don't even know if a Biggie probably didn't even ever know Shine, but like say like Puffy and Biggie and Shine are all like sitting in this like VIP booth in a club. I bet you Shine is like out pulling Biggie and and Puffy in that scenario. You think so? I, I think he's got that kind of <laughs> oh. game. I think he's got that kind Maybe of Maybe pre bid, pre stint, but I, I don't know. <laughs> and you know I do give him respect for being the fall guy, but being a fall guy isn't very swaggy. I disagree for like, dude, like Weebay and the Wire, like I guess, like yeah, that's I, a good I point. think it depends like what the bid is. Like I, I took swag grades off on uh, on Slick Rick initially because of because his bid was like so like lame, you know, like he was in there for just visa <laughs> issues and stuff. Like you know, Shine like took the fall for like puffy and in, in like a escalade with with j-lo i think i mean that that's that's definite swag yeah i just wish the fact that he was unable to rebound after that bit and get anything out there you know in terms of music and that, that kind of hurts me because you know if he had, had one maybe bounce back album uh or maybe even if he just blasted diddy or, or outed <laughs> diddy or something i, I would have given him more a higher mark there but I, as it stands now, I got a thirty. I'm gonna go back and listen to his. I forget what the album was called. I gotta look into it. But it, the, the album he did release for Prison was really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give that another roll, and we'll see. We'll check in next week again. Hit us up on Twitter at uh, Real Jerry Anderson. I'm at Clay W Link. Overall fifty uh, for you. I got a forty, which is one of the lower grades I've given out. Look, I like Shine, but I have him below Pharaoh Monch. You must not Juvie, like him that much. Forty. Forty's below average. I'm going to bump him up to 45 right now. It's still not super high, but I think in the spectrum, that, that's pretty fair. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Todd Zola and Paul Sporer with you tomorrow. is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.